This episode of Couch Communion is dedicated to my mom, Cheryl. She was one of the strongest women that I've ever known, and I'm very lucky to have had her as a mom because she taught me to also be a strong woman. So, this is for my mom. I'm Jordan. I'm Sarah. And this is Couch Communion. Welcome. Welcome to the couch. Do, 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 You have to sing every episode. I really do. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> so today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, biblical womanhood. Basically, like, what does it really mean to be a woman in the church? And we're going to talk a little bit about the important women in our lives and uh, kind of some some ideas we have about the role of women and just you know surrounding some of that some of that jazz. Yeah, this completely non-controversial topic. <laughs> very very low key. People Totes don't cash. people don't really have strong opinions on this. We don't have strong opinions. No, at all. I'm just I'm giving you the facts. <laughs> um, no, that's a joke. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought we would um, start out just kind of uh, talking about some of the women in our lives. Um, do you have any personal female role models? I feel like, <laughs> like I've been asked that in an interview also. Someone was like, tell me about your role models. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, yeah. Michelle Obama. I don't know. Like, I panic. I, just I mean, go- good choice. but Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I mean, like, do you mean people, like, in my life or people that I, like, women in general that I look up to? Both. Ooh. Um, I think, well, I mean, obviously my mom, Mm -hmm. um, just because, like, she's the closest woman to me. Yeah. Um, and she has taught me a lot about what it means to be a mom, Mm -hmm. um, as I've started that journey. Um, but also, like, growing up... I remember my mom was always a really big champion of you need to be self-sufficient. You need to be able to handle yourself. Don't depend on a man. Like she was, she was very, and she got that from her mom, you know, and I would say my grandmother, my Mima, she for sure is a big role model for me too, because they both were very strong in this sense of like, you need to be able to take care of yourself. And my Mima went through like a lot in her life and still was just a very strong woman and, um, I, my mom obviously learned a lot from that. And so, uh, she always instilled that in me, but she also instilled a lot of virtues of care in me too. Um, you know, I can remember my mom, uh, going out and just like taking me with, taking her, me with her in the car and going out and buying like a whole two weeks worth of groceries for a family member of ours just without saying anything and just brought it to their house and was like you need this here here it is that's really sweet yeah she's I mean she definitely showed me 
I think the range of what a woman can be. A woman can be strong and commanding and confident and smart and um, work hard for what she wants, but she can also be a woman who nurtures and cares and dotes on people and really is empathetic as well. So, like, definitely my mom yeah. is in there. Yeah, I mean... I would say the same yeah. for me um, in this. I think our families are kind of similar in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, but, you know, my mom obviously was very strong and very um, self-sufficient. You know, she I don't like calling her a single mom because she she was a mom and technically single. But it's not like my dad wasn't a part of my life. She wasn't, you know, doing having to do everything herself he was you know um but in that sense of you know growing up my parents were not married Mm -hmm. because they got divorced when I was a baby baby and so to me seeing like I, I I guess I just never growing up saw the whole like this is a mom's role and this is a dad's role and, you know, in a marriage and my mom just did everything and my dad did everything. You know, my dad was single. He cooked, he cleaned, he packed my lunches when I, when he needed to. And he, he gardened, like he had a whole big old garden. He had a legit garden. Yeah. I try to live up to that, but both of your parents had incredible gardens. That's true. He had a lot of food stuff and then mom, has a lot of flowery kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, it, my mom was very strong and didn't take people's crap. And I think she also got that from my Mima, who, uh, I never knew my grandpa, so I can't really speak a whole lot about that. He died before I was born, but so she's, you know, been on her own for a long time She's incredibly strong. She grew up 13 brothers and sisters on a farm in Fleming County. You know, like, <laughs> she, and she's 88 and still does her yard work. Yeah. And, like, could probably run circles around me. That woman yeah. is she's amazing. tough. <laughs> so, yeah, everything I know about, like, what it means to be a woman, I think I really learned from my family. So. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think of like non-familial female role models. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've definitely had like female mentors in my life. Um, I had a wonderful advisor in college and who turned colleague and friend once I got out of college um, and that I'm thinking of. And um, she really taught me a whole lot about like <laughs> really just kind of being confident in my own abilities and things. My current supervisor at work, mm-hmm. definitely a role model. She just like is killing it as a mother and as a as a, a professional and she just finished her doctorate and she's just like on top of it and uh and she's also just like really fun and funny, so like <laughs> love her too. Um I don't know. I think I kinda put you on the spot, so no, you yeah, can't yeah, think yeah. of anyone. I honestly and this is gonna be so cheesy because I know we're talking about biblical womanhood, mm-hmm. but like as a as a writer, because my background is in writing. Um, I, I know I'm getting my degree right now in higher ed policy, but I have two degrees in creative writing. When I first encountered, and we talk about her all the time, when I first encountered Rachel Held Evans's writing, 
um, I was like, this is the voice that I, I hear in my soul. And like, this is like the, the kind of legacy that I would want to leave, um, behind. So, I mean, like definitely a big role model in that way too. Yeah. I mean, she's, and we're going to talk more about Rachel Held Evans later in this episode, obviously, because you cannot do an episode about biblical womanhood without talking about the, uh, notorious RHE herself. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this earlier and I realized that this isn't so much on a biblical note. This is just more on like a society note. I can't really think outside of my family of a lot of female role models that I had growing up because I, when I was younger, really, I had so much internalized misogyny, (laughs) so much. And I think a lot of young girls do, but I really wanted to be a boy. All of my, like, when I would watch movies and stuff, my favorite characters were always like boy characters and when I would play pretend, like, I always thought it was cooler to be a boy character because you got to be, like, tough and whatever. And so, I don't know. I, ju- I just didn't really look up to a lot of women. And, of course, then I got older and I had that whole, like, I'm not like other girls because I'm not girly. <laughs> yeah. Girl, past Sarah, shut up. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I, and that is who I am. Like, I, I would, you know. I wasn't really putting that on. I've always been more of a tomboy. and, um, But I am glad as I get older that I've gotten over that. And I'm very like women support women. Girl support girls. Always circle back yeah. to girl support girls. Um, and yeah. And I can kind of enjoy more feminine things, yeah. you know. And girl support girls no matter if they're feminine or. Right. Absolutely. No matter if they're. What society calls feminine or what society calls masculine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And you can be both. Yeah. Sometimes I want to be more masculine. Sometimes I want to be more feminine. Mm -hmm. It just kind of is what it is. And, uh, you know, if you feel like a girl, then you're real like a girl. As (laughs) the beloved Lizzo told us once. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, it... And I don't really know, this kind of goes into my next question of, I'm really trying to remember growing up in church, like what kind of messages I got about women. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, it was always kind of more of a subtle thing, I guess, about women in leadership. Mm. It's not like, you know, we had, I went to a small, we've talked about this on the pod, but um, we both grew up in small Baptist churches. We actually had a woman who was a deacon in our church. Huh. And... That was not allowed in my church. See, I I don't remember because I was kind of young when it happened. And I remember my mom at least talking about it and saying like, yeah, it's really cool that... I think her name was Linda. Um, had been voted on and accepted as a deacon and leader in the church. And... Um, Part of me suspects it was probably because they didn't have a lot of options. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the men were not stepping up. Um, but even still, to allow that, like, I'm really proud that my little Baptist church yeah. did that. And I think they would still be willing to do that today. Um, but yeah, I never really was raised in this kind of, you know, men do this and women do that. Any more than, I think, just normal kind of culturally 
we learned that people had these roles that we're supposed to stick to. I kind of was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it wasn't as aggressive as it sounds, but like women, um, especially in church growing up, we didn't have women who, you didn't preach. A woman could share testimony, mm-hmm. but usually that didn't, and this has changed a little bit, but usually that didn't happen on a Sunday morning. Um, that was not something that happened during like church, church. Um, women couldn't be deacons. Um, women typically were not Sunday school teachers unless they were teaching the women's class or a children's class. Mm. Um, they would not hire a female youth group leader. Um, that was, <laughs> that was like probably, that would probably never happen. Um, Interesting. And, I mean, women had prominent roles in the church. We did have um, a specific woman who was very active in children's church and, like, delivering messages. And this was on during Sunday. This was on Sunday church. She would deliver the children's message. It was, like, a short bit. Yeah, yeah. During the sermon. And all the children would go up and mm-hmm. hear her bit and then go back to their parents. Yeah, we had um, that, too. Yeah. And so that was something that that women could do. Um, but the, the main leaders of the church were, were, it wasn't just that they happened to be men, they were decidedly men. Um, and there was very much the promotion of the, you know, of a kind of, I would say complementarianism of, um, men and women have separate but equal roles, uh, and they don't, you don't, you don't cross those lines. Mm. Um, I can think of a lot of strong women in my church growing up who were leaders, but they weren't recognized as leaders, Um, especially like my grandmother. I mean, was very heavily involved. Um, My dad's mom was very heavily involved in a lot of stuff at church, Um, but she would never be like named a specific kind of leader. Yeah. I do think that's interesting because I'm sure there are, I'm, I mean, women are very good. Not that men aren't good at this, but women are very good at coordinating things. No, I mean, women did coordinate a lot of stuff. Right. It was was like, you just didn't get the title. Exactly. Yeah. That is, let me, let me backtrack because I am remembering we did have a woman who held a very important position in our church we had a female treasurer oh okay and i remember that specifically she handled all the funds okay in the church um and i didn't know a whole lot about like why she had that position i'm assuming it was because she was really good with numbers it, yeah um <laughs> she was good with the money yeah <laughs> gotta be good with the money uh so i mean that was one leadership role but i think that's kind of where it stopped um, gotcha but i do remember the wednesday night uh 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 quarterly like business meetings, um, she would. She was the one who ran down the numbers, and she would read out the numbers every time. Good so, for her. Yeah. You did touch on one thing that I think is an interesting point when it comes to women in leadership in the church, which is this idea that, because um, like you know, there are some people who say that women shouldn't ever, ever teach a man but then like at what point does a boy become a man and right. so there's this thing of like you can teach kids you can teach little boys until they hit like 15 and then suddenly you don't need to be teaching them. Mm-hmm. and like the the 
Mm, if I was ever a teacher and some man told me that I didn't need to be teaching their 15-year-old because he now was a man and somehow knew more than me, get yeah. out of here. Like, I'm... <laughs> that goes way back, though. Like, I'm thinking about higher ed history. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, when... There was like a lot of questions and a lot of anxiety surrounding women's colleges. Not so much because people felt like women shouldn't go to college. It was the content because women's colleges started out as more of like skill-based. How to be Um, a secretary. Well, not necessarily. Even just like being a well-rounded woman. Okay. You know, still studying things. Like still actually like having studies. But then women would often audit classes at the men's college because they wanted more in-depth education yeah. and things like that. And so I think this, I mean, this, this is all, you know, it's all wrapped up in patriarchy that like everything you know. is. <laughs> yeah. Everything is. It's just when you're in a church, there seems to be like a, like a higher power mandating it, you know? Yeah. Which is so frustrating. Icky. Icky. Yeah. But I will say in church growing up like I was saying it wasn't like an aggressive thing yeah it wasn't like I don't ever remember and of course I was a child so I mean like how much am I going to remember but I really don't remember like that angry form of misogyny yeah like to my knowledge there weren't women who were being like constrained and told no and stuff like that and you could look at it as like, well, they were just being compliant, but like people really like that was their way of life. Mm-hmm. And that's just how things were. Mm-hmm. They weren't upset about it. It was just like, this is, you know, and, and, and a lot of women take pride in, in that role that they, that they have assumed that like, I am a wife. This is my role. I am a woman in this church. This is my role. And they're mm-hmm. very, they're very proud of that. So I don't really want to diminish the good things that women did in those roles yeah and the the way that they did them really well yeah you know i think that is very fair and also you know i think we've said this before about i don't remember what episode it would have been but about being a housewife yeah and how uh, there is nothing wrong with being a housewife, a homemaker, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, it's, I, you know, I don't like the idea of someone being told they have to do that. Right. It's the notion of choice. Exactly. It's the yeah. freedom of which, you know, I think real true feminism in any way is not telling women, you know, you have to be a housewife and not telling women you can't be a housewife. Right. Like the whole point is that women should be able to do anything that we want to yeah and are able to do um yeah yeah so i there are so many examples of this that we could go into but um let's talk about some biblical ladies okay 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 i'm gonna go ahead and start with the first one that came to mind because a lot of people have been talking about it but um yael which is the drove a tent stake through the yes. skull of um what's his face yes um which i'm gonna be honest i was not exposed to that story growing up i was really not either um, like my first exposure to that story was like no joke last year um so if you are not familiar with that story if you also have not been exposed to that story um 
It's either J-A-E-L or Y-A-E-L, just depending on how it's spelled. In Hebrew, it's Yael. Um, but so she's a woman that's mentioned in the book of Judges, which is a book all about various judges coming up to judge Israel for all of their problems and then sending people to deliver them. It's just kind of a never ending cycle of people of Israel messing up and having to be delivered. But, um, so Yael was kind of the heroine of this story who killed a guy named Sisera, I think is how you would say that. Um, but basically delivered Israel from the troops of King Jobin. This is a good time for me to mention, there's going to be a lot of biblical names in this episode. <laughs> I don't know how to say any of them. So Tug on that Jewish heritage. Tug on it. <laughs> hey, I got Yael. <laughs> and that's about as good as it's going to get. Um, but uh, King Jobin. Oh, no. He was. I guess that is a Jewish name. Anyway. Uh, so, this girl was a hero, and she said, I'm going to kill this dude while he's sleeping. And she took a tense spike and just went through his head while he was, that was a good noise. sleeping. Thank you. Uh, which is pretty. Can we say badass on this? Is that PG-13? Sure. Pretty badass. <laughs> um, so, next time someone tells you you need to be a biblical woman... Maybe remind they, them of that story yeah. and be like i'm sorry they that, change their mind yeah is that what you want from me is that what you're asking me for yeah so i like the i i like that a woman was used to deliver israel from the hands of of other people too and i think a lot of times you see that in biblical stories where women um really turn the the image of women on its head mm-hmm where, like, you're expecting one outcome, and the outcome is totally flipped. And I think a lot of times that happens in interactions with Jesus especially. Mm. Um, but that definitely there are a lot of biblical women that, like, don't follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> They're a loose cannon on the edge. Yeah. Well, in the Old Testament, you've got Esther. Woo, Esther. Who, my favorite VeggieTales movie. Yeah. <laughs> was a Jewish queen. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She saved her people. Yes. By becoming queen. Yes. Yeah. Um, you've also got... Or through becoming queen. She became queen and then she was like, yo, king, save my people. Yeah, let's not, um, let's not kill all the Jews. Let's not do that. And then they didn't, I guess. <laughs> so... Um, There's a motto for all of history. Yeah. Let's not kill all the Jews. Yeah, hey, can we maybe not this time kill all the jews that's not a good plan (laughs) um so it's not nice it's not very nice (laughs) of you to do that we don't like it um so you've got esther and then you've got ruth who if you are not a bible person if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a christian which god bless you if that's so but so you're doing um, great you got this far yeah there's a book of the Bible named after Esther, for Esther, and Ruth. So Ruth is not an Israelite. She's um, Moab, but she marries an Israelite. And uh, she helps her mother-in-law, Naomi, another great biblical woman, um, find protection after her 
husband and father-in-law die. Yeah. Um, and then she finds Boaz, who is a lovely biblical man. And, uh, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. <laughs> yeah. I'll follow you. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah, so both of those women, even in the Old Testament, are lifted up as um, examples and leaders, kind of, in a way, you know. Um, for them to have a whole book named after them in the Bible is, like, actually kind That's of a, a big, big deal. deal. Yeah. Um, so then we go. I wonder though. <laughs> I wonder if though if it's just a big deal to us only because we've got such internalized patriarchy going on mm-hmm. that like we in this country have had such a like patriarchal system religiously for so long. Yeah. That like that. Uh, that's always been our leaning point where we're like wild women who are leaders. I know what when in reality, like they've been here all along. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I just wonder like how much of that, how much of our, how much of our surprise at that or how much of our, our emphasis on that is because we're American. That you know? is a very good point. I have to wonder that. A very good point. Yeah. Cause there, there are more Books in the Bible named after women than female presidents that we've had, which is zero. In case you that are true. forgetting, zero, zero female presidents. Also, I'm going to apologize for yawning just then. I did. Oh, it's that's not okay. because of the content. It's because you're an old lady. I'm weak. <laughs> I'm weak. Um. So in the New Testament, there are also a lot of women named as well, and we'll get to like what what the bible says about women and our roles and whatever later but let it be known that in the new testament um both jesus and paul acknowledge women as leaders in the church so you've got phoebe who is mentioned in um the one of the letters to the romans by paul and she was a deacon. He refers to her as a deacon uh, in the church, yeah, which yeah. Um, it it's confusing on whether he calls her like a servant or a deacon. Which in There's a mo- lot of debate about that too. Yeah, and in you know my modern understanding of the word deacon could be different than historically. Yeah, how, you know, but nonetheless, she was trusted by Paul to deliver the letter to the Romans and. He refers to her as, like, an important Christian woman. So, take that. Yeah. Haters. I don't know. (laughs) And whenever I hear her name, I think of Phoebe on Friends. Yeah. P as in Phoebe. H as in Hebe. E as in Eb. O as in Obi. (laughs) I do, too. Yeah. So... Another important leader in the early church, Priscilla, and it was, oh, what was her husband? Aquila. It's like Priscilla and Aquila, which is so funny (laughs) to me. Like, we have... What would their celebrity name be? Paquilla. 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 I like it. Yeah, I love any kind of, like, couple that's, like... um, Carrie and Jerry or you know I love it so much 
So just the idea that these were like ancient, an ancient Carrie and Jerry, Priscilla yes. and Aquila. Yes. Um, I almost said Pat and Patty. <laughs> Pat and Patty. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, Aquila, anyway, were leaders in the church. And there is um, a line in Acts where um, they write, uh, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. (laughs) Which I love the thought that some dude just gets up and starts like, spewing some some stuff and they're like come here young one yeah come with us and that sounds like all the training i've been going through this week because i'm going through training for work Mm -hmm. it's our like annual fall like get ready for the semester training and we have to do scenarios where it's like you walk into this situation what do you do except we actually have to walk into the situation and do the oh dang and uh it's always just like pull them aside and be like now listen can we talk a little bit about what you just did no it's so like but i like that though because it's like constructive if yeah if you think of it in the sense of them pulling this person aside and privately being like hey like i we know you're trying to do good here but like let's talk a little bit about yeah why you're not doing let's, good let's look at where you went wrong and how we can fix it <laughs> yes, yeah yes, it's constructive it's constructive that's exactly. how i picture it anyway we don't get a sense for whether or not it was that way but yeah who's to really say yeah but the more important thing is the you know they weren't like yeah so aquila went and set him straight it's like no no Priscilla. like they're always mentioned together they, the two of they them. are a unit mm-hmm. yeah they are a partnership and I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, Romans 16 is, um, actually I'm kind of backing up just a little, but when we talked about Phoebe, so this is where she's mentioned as a deacon. Um, but even in this letter, like it starts out with, I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church. Um, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So Paul is even saying like Phoebe, you know, has helped me in whatever ways, I guess. Um, and then greet Priscilla and Aquila, my coworkers in Jesus Christ. Of course, this is, you know, the ESV, I think, or no, this is NIV. So I don't know that he's like coworkers, (laughs) but you know, um, partners, whatever in Jesus Christ, they risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the church of the Gentiles are grateful to them. So again, both of them mentioned. Um, and there are several other. Mary is mentioned. Um, Wasn't there... Now, I could be wrong on this. Wasn't there, like... Maybe this is a conspiracy theory. I don't remember. Wasn't there like a lot of Marys and they just decided to like condense all the Marys into two Marys? Oh, I don't know. Mary the mother and Mary Magdalene. That's a good question. I feel like there was like a lot of women that they were just like, let's squish all those into one. I don't remember where I heard that. It might have been a TikTok. So (laughs) (laughs) I've heard. I think I've heard that theory just with Mary Magdalene that That she she represents several different women. women. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Maybe it's just a theory. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. You Maybe. heard it here. The hard facts. <laughs> yes, the hard facts on this factual fact-finding podcast about facts. 
We're very pro facts. That's oh, the yeah. thing. Yeah. We are pro facts. We just don't have them. We just want it to be clear that we are not at, we know. We know that Yeah. We know what we know and we know what we don't know. We have opinions, we just don't have authority. Yeah. <laughs> We're not experts. There's our tagline for the episode we have opinions just no authority (laughs) yes hashtag murica all opinions no authority (laughs) oops all opinions episode. (laughs) (laughs) that's good i like oh god anyway in the rest of this letter there are several other other women that are mentioned and described as women who work hard for the lord um Rufus, chosen the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me too, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, give it up for all the women. Let's go, ladies. Yeah. Let's go. I always think of that Billy on the street clip of "Let's go, lesbians. Let's go. <laughs> let's go, lesbians." Anyway, let's go, ladies. Let's go. So, um, I think I'm actually going to pause here. I do want to talk about the Marys, multiple Marys, um, but let's take a quick break. Yeah. And then when we come back, we will get into the Mary of it all. And welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, man. We took a walk. We, I took a walk. You're right. You didn't I sat right here. I (laughs) I took a walk. I said hi to our producer, Ellie. Yeah. Who is sleeping beautifully in the bed. She is all curled up. The blankets on her. It's so cute. Um, Ellie's on a diet right now. If this is your first time listening, Ellie's my dog. She's also (laughs) our producer um, because she insists on being involved usually in every aspect of this. But surprisingly, she put herself to bed like the old lady that she is. She's going to be nine-ish in November. And I took her to the vet the other day, and she's very overweight. She got the squeaky joints. She's, she's got, they were like, her. I listened to her knees and her joints, and they were kind of creaky, so she needs to lose weight. And I was like, dang on it. Because <laughs> that means I have to walk her, which means I have to walk. And as we've just said, I just like sitting here most of the time. <laughs> anyway, so. Maybe you could get her in one of those cat wheels, the big ones. Oh, my gosh. She wouldn't use it. She would just stand on it and look at me like, what are you doing? But what, what you if you like do? dangled like a treat, a, like a treat or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'd probably freak her out. Earlier tonight. Sorry, we'll get back on the Bible stuff in like two seconds. But earlier tonight, I have a raised garden bed and I'm growing cherry tomatoes. I let her out to go potty and I went to let her back in because I didn't see her out in the yard. And I saw her crawling or not crawling, but like walking through my tomato plants and I called her to me and she hopped down and had a little cherry tomato in her mouth. And I was like, Oh, okay. You're just going to hop up in there and get yourself a snack. Go for it. I guess I'm hungry. You won't feed me. Yeah. She's like, I'm eating a vegetable. What's the problemo? (laughs) So anyway, that's our update on our producer, Ellie, (laughs) dearest Eleanor. Um, I realized we skipped over one of our old Testament ladies, uh, which is Deborah. Debbie. Debs. Good old Debs. But she was one of the major judges, uh, also back to the book of Judges. And she was, uh, which the judges were, again, for if you're not a super Bible person, they were like military leaders. They weren't like judicial judges like we have now. Um, 
And she is the only female judge. She's the only one to be called a prophet and the only one described as performing also a judicial function. Hmm. Fun fact about Deborah. Um, but yeah, she summons um, Barak, I guess this is his name, to lead the battle against the Canaanites. Oh. Um, and he agrees, but only if she accompanies him. So, and then he um, does really well and destroys everyone except for that one dude. Cicera, who is then killed by tent yeah. stake through the head. So yeah. it's all it's all coming together. Women supporting women. <laughs> circle back. Always circle back to girls support girls. Um, if you haven't seen those TikToks, by the way, funny. that I'm referencing, go find them. So Deborah. And then um we've kind of talked about Mary, mother of Jesus Mary, a little bit. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about her other than the fact she's that... She's cool. We like her. She's rad. Love her. Great gal. Ten <laughs> Great out of ten. Great gal. A real, remember, s- a real swell gal. Do you remember back in... Oh, gosh. Must have been, like, thinking 2008-ish. All the Jesus is my homeboy and Mary is my homegirl Oh, shirts. my God. Yes. We need that, except instead of saying Mary is my homegirl, it just says, Great gal. Great gal. <laughs> um yeah Uh, obviously a very strong uh, possibly the strongest picture of a woman in the bible the literal mother of the messiah she's cool yeah she's great i don't know i i mean i i don't really know even what to say about mary that hasn't already been said yeah i mean like being willing to be obedient um, in a situation which, like, you're really not clear on what's going to happen. Very scary when an angel just says, and like, hey. There was a lot to lose for her, too, because if you think about um, in that culture and in that situation, a quote-unquote ruined woman uh-huh. uh, who was engaged to be married, like, could have some very serious life-threatening repercussions. Yeah. Um, and, and her willingness... Uh, in that situation shows even more about her strength and the faith. I think, honestly, the faith that God had in her. Yeah. To do what she yeah. needed to do. Because she had the strength to not only, like, do this one part. It wasn't like, hey, go have this baby and then you're good. Mm-hmm. It was like, go have the literal Messiah and then raise him. Yeah. You know, like, he's your son, do it right you know like <laughs> don't mess this up also okay this is a lot this is a lot to think about but in a way god chose their own mom god chose their own mom. is that weird to think about no that's i mean like yeah to be like who do i want to bring me into the world into the world interesting interesting mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of and i don't believe this but mormons uh i was literally thinking yeah that too. where like they believe that you choose <gasps> your earthly parents yeah which is very they problematic in on... pre-mortal existence yeah i i don't know the is it is that a universal mormon belief or is that like a subset i think that's pretty universal oh, cool. i don't know we're gonna do an episode on mormonism eventually someday and we'll, we'll figure it out we'll yeah. find out um 
So, Mary. Yeah, Mary. Um, to, and then to be so young and to, I mean, I guess, you know, back in the day, historically, not that young, but young and just everything she went through in her life and then to watch her son die for all of humanity. So, um, yeah. And then Mary Magdalene. I, let's back up for a second, though. Oh, okay. To, yeah. to, I think it's important to remember, too, to watch her son be completely, um, well, not completely adored and hated by humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, yeah. To have him both praised as the Messiah and also called, you know, a false hypocrite, you know, a false prophet, mm-hmm. a hypocrite. Heretic. A uh... Heretic to be, you know, thrown out of places and, and you know, called out by the religious elite. That's a, that's a roller coaster. It, that, <laughs> that's a word for it. Yeah. 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 Mary Magdalene is a very interesting um, person. <laughs> Situation. Situation. Because there's, I feel like there's so much mythology almost around Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Of like, was she a prostitute? Was she not a prostitute? Was she married to Jesus? Was she not married to Jesus? Which <laughs> I don't think she was married to Jesus, but either. some people do. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of went, oh, yeah. went that direction oh, yeah. in Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. But yeah, so she um, was his friend. She was Jesus's friend, kind of. She traveled with him. She was a follower of his. And um, witnessed his crucifixion and the aftermath and was one of the people that he appeared to yeah. after his resurrection. Yeah. Um, so I w- when I think of her, I think of the, um, I don't know if it's a t-shirt or like, so I, I mean, I think it's a pretty common phrase that I've seen a lot about like, Jesus respected women. Jesus trusted women. Um, As far as like the trusting women, I feel like Mary Magdalene kind of fits in that category of like women were the first. What's the word I'm looking for? Messengers. Yes. Yes. I know. I knew I was on the right brainwave. Yeah. 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 Women were the first messengers of the the good news missionaries to go, you know, tell of, jesus's resurrection when we look at that and this is kind of just in general shifting of you know what what does the bible tell us about women and what our role is supposed to be in life and how we're supposed to conduct ourselves and whatever um it's kind of a struggle for me because i don't want to say that one part of the bible is more important than another part but i feel like in general we should probably if we're gonna put you know something as kind of superseding go by what jesus did and said yeah because like paul is great <sighs> whatever <laughs> no it's Paul's still fine. divinely inspired yeah like, it's still important and stuff like, yeah but you know if if jesus trusted women enough to let them have these positions in his life i think that we can assume that every woman is trusted by god and is given the power to spread the gospel, you know. But of course, then you've got a lot of people 
who like to use a lot of the letters um, to detract from women because, you know, in Timothy or first Timothy and first Corinthians um, in what's the other one? There's a lot Titus. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. The women should keep silent in churches for they're not permitted to speak, should be in submission, as the law also says, yada, 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 yeah. wives submit to your husbands, blah, 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 yeah. which <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't want to, you know, border on sacrilegious <laughs> and say like the Bible is blah, 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 but you know, I think it's one of those things for me, at least. And maybe you can talk about how you think about it. But for me, I think that falls firmly in the historical context category of, you know, I mean, people have argued, I guess, for a while that women weren't as educated back then. And so, like, I guess they couldn't be trusted with teaching and whatever. But, you know, also they were second-class citizens in yeah. in this culture at least in a lot of cultures not all um but there are a lot of reasons why women wouldn't be really seen as leaders in just the the widespread early church yeah. i guess um and i guess for me it really just comes down to like it doesn't make sense to me that God would create, you know, I'm saying two genders, but obviously we don't even have time to go into like what it means to be non-binary yeah. yeah. or outside of a gender binary. Um, but like the idea <laughs> that God gave me a vulva and therefore I can't preach the gospel is bizarre yeah. to me. You know what I mean? It just... Yeah. And I think I kind of, I, I, I struggle a little bit with the whole, like, women were not educated as well, and so they couldn't teach and stuff, because that's something that I, like, leaned on a lot. Mm -hmm. But when you just said it just then, I was thinking about, like, Jewish women had considerable influence in their homes um, and with their families. Yeah. They had a considerable amount of responsibility. Um so, I mean, I don't know. But. And obviously there were women leaders in the church like yeah. we just talked about. Yeah. So it's not like it was unheard of. I think. I think the thing that gets muddy for me is that like. There is a lot of interpretation that has to happen mm -hmm. in order to understand what's going on here. And the further we get from the nexus point of scripture being written the mm -hmm. the harder it is to see from that perspective and so i don't really know um for sure mm -hmm. like what the situation was but i do think i like you lean on historical context a lot that like we were given brains for a reason like if we start to say that like women shouldn't be teaching 
at all because that's not their job. It's not their role. You start this slide, this slope into women shouldn't be educated. There's mm-hmm. no point in in letting them be educated. They There's yeah. no point in letting them go out into the world and own property and do all this stuff. And so, like, what was the point of all the progress that we've made so right, far? Right, right. Um, you know, in the lives of, of pro- predominantly white women. And so... Um, and in the, this, the progress for people of color is, like, a, a totally different situation. But, like, in all honesty, like, what's the point of us having the brains and us having the logic and having the capacity to understand all that stuff? Right. If we're not if, supposed to do anything with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um and the idea that the the Holy Spirit in any way is different based on what body you have mm-hmm. or what gender you have or however you want to frame it, it just uh, does, mm, it doesn't, to me, vibe with the character of God, the mission of God, the um, priesthood of all believers kind of thing yeah i'm interested to know then like what you think in terms of what what should we value about our difference from men Mm -hmm. like what should we value about being women and i and i say that with caution because there are so many identities out there that don't fall into that category mm-hmm. or those two categories. And I think that's where things get tricky for me is that like, if we have all these other categories, why is the binary what we're so focused on in terms of roles and, and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, because it's not like those categories have been, have just appeared out of nowhere. Right. They've yeah. been going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, now we can talk about them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, what, it, I mean, what, what value should we find in those differences? Yeah, and I think that's, that is a really good question. It's one I've struggled with, too, because, I, like I said earlier, I've always been kind of, you know, I've never been super feminine, um, super girly, super, you know, whatever, and... Even, I think I said this to you maybe last time we recorded, but even referring to myself as a woman feels so weird to me. Mm-hmm. Like, not bad, just that's, I don't know, that's kind of not how I think of myself. Like, and I don't know if it's just because I don't feel super adult. Yeah. Really, you know, I mean, I am, I'm almost 30, but I don't know. That I just, I'm me, you know? Yeah. And, um, I... I kind of fall in the middle as far as, like, is gender socialized? Is it, are some of our natural differences, like, actually genetic? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I was just talking with my stepdad the other day about the differences in how men and women communicate. And if we could just understand the differences, communication would be so much better. Because, like, when women talk about things... It's, we're not necessarily trying to solve an issue. Right. Men come at it from like, oh, we're discussing this. What is the end point? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have that conversation with my husband all the time. Where yeah. I will 
vent to him about something because I I'm an external processor. I mm-hmm. I get I understand things through talking them through, and so um, I a lot of times I just need to talk something through. I don't need a I don't need a solution. I don't want a solution. I don't want anyone to fix anything. Mm-hmm. I just need to talk it through. And he'll jump in with like a solution. Well, why don't you try this or why don't you try that? And I'll say, look, I really appreciate, <laughs> I really genuinely appreciate what you're trying to do here. I, I, it's not what I need in this situation right now. Yeah, yeah. And he's got he's gotten to where he understands that. Yeah, and and is is fine with that. Yeah, he Dale and I decided that uh, if that's an issue that couples have, you should just start every like conversation with, hey, I need you to listen to. Um, help me solve this or I just need you to listen to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to commiserate with me for a minute. Right. Like, um, and, but that's the thing I, you know, I've heard that for years that that's just a difference in men and women. And that's just how men and women think. And I wonder how much of that is actually like our brains. Yeah. Or how much of that is socialized with us because women are much more socialized to just talk to each other right. about right. stuff. And like men don't have that same emotional, upbringing upbringing yeah and so when they are talking about things it's to get to a certain point so that you can stop talking about it right (laughs) so i don't know you know i don't because that's one thing i love about being a woman and having female friends i love the camaraderie i love this is gonna sound really weird but like i love that i don't have to be afraid to physically touch my female friends like right I could crawl over there and cuddle with you right yeah. now, and it's not weird. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sleep, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's not do that. No, it wouldn't be weird. <laughs> you know, and and men don't always. I don't want to say no. None of them have that because you know men are completely capable of having very deep emotional connections with each other. Like you know, but I don't know. That's one They're of my structured very differently. Yeah, and um, it's not always you know in society today that can be seen as kind of weird and you know too you're being too close to each other but like women don't have that we can right. be as close as we want to be right and we're just gals being pals <laughs> you know gals being pals. <laughs> they were just really good friends <laughs> even when it's more than that um i feel like i'm having flashbacks to when i used to go to the family reunion with you yeah and i'd be like how's sarah's friend yeah <laughs> My college roommate. How is she? Oh like, my god. Oh, her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. She's His boyfriend. She got married to a man. She has a child with a man with her husband. Yeah. Her man husband. Who is a man? Who is a man? <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. But that's one of you know. And so then, which my point in saying all that is, you know, I think there are things that can be um, really positive about thinking about you know, our strengths, what are men good at, what are women good at. And, you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that, you know, we all need to be exactly the same. Maybe it's that the labels shouldn't be like that. I, that's like, kinda, I feel like some individuals people are this way and some people are yeah. that way because I feel like because we have assigned people into these binaries for so long, mm-hmm. that's how we recognize the attributes. Yeah. Because and they've been in the binaries. But like if we, because I mean, you know, this. so much of research is still, or so much of science and so much of, well, any kind of research, not just like strictly scientific research 
is very biased towards those binaries still today and mm. it's and researchers are actively working hard to try and break that yeah um and so i'm interested to see what kinds of research come out in the next you know 20 30 years that are more inclusive that teach us more about humans on a more general level mm, yeah because like i don't know and and part of you know i'm the other side of my brain is pushing back against that. The other, you know, the, the grew up evangelical side of my brain is, is pushing back and saying like, no, there's something important about being a woman and being female. And then I'm thinking, what does it mean to be a woman and female? Can't I have those important attributes without having been assigned female at birth? Well, and I think that is the crux of, I mean, I don't, you know, not to speak too generally, but I think that is the fear of when people get really scared about trans acceptance and Mm -hmm. trans rights. And, um, you know, if we start saying that anyone can be a woman, what does it mean to be a woman? Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I feel that way sometimes too, where, you know, I, I think a lot of my pride in being a woman is kind of rooted in society and knowing that I am in a certain place in society and I have to overcome things that gives me a sense Mm. of pride of being proudly Mm. a woman and saying like, I can also be strong and I can also whatever. Um, but I think that ties into, um, (laughs) we're kind of, really going out there yeah um you know these are big topics but when we talk about um trans women especially uh there is a group of people called TERFs I don't know you know if you've never heard the term TERF I had to explain it to someone the other day but it's trans exclusionary radical feminist which is very interesting but it's basically a group of feminists quote-unquote who believe that trans women should not be accepted as women because it invalidates the struggles of cisgendered women. As if trans women have never struggled. Exactly. Exactly. And it's probably a different struggle in some ways, but it doesn't mean you haven't struggled. Right. And also, like... Who cares? Yeah. You know? (laughs) It's interesting that you say that about, like, where your pride in being a woman comes from because, like... I really honestly in that moment thought like, where does my pride in being a woman come from? It doesn't come from my body. Mm -hmm. I mean, like being able to create a human and push the human out of my body. That was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. It was pretty wild. Um, Highly horrible. Totally wonderful. Um, However. Title of your book. Yeah, I know. Highly horrible. Totally Totally wonderful. wonderful. (laughs) Um, However. Honestly, I think the majority of my pride in being a woman comes from the legacy of women who raised me. Yes. It comes from the women who I watched growing up. My mother and my mother's mother and her mother. I was so lucky to know three of my great-grandmothers um, in my life before they passed and and to be able to see that legacy of women supporting each other and loving each other and teaching each other and and I think that is where my pride as a woman comes from and that has no gender 
Exactly. You know? Because that's, that's personal. That is that is me as a person. It's not just me as a woman. Yeah. Um, and so that's an interesting thing for me to sit here and think about is like, I do have that pushback in the back of my brain, but I'm still learning and I'm still, I'm still figuring things out just like anybody, yeah. you know, is. And, and really, honestly, like, I really am thinking about like the things that I identify as me as a woman are really just me as a human and me as a, as a person. Yeah. And I think it can be, you know, a little bit of both. I think you can be proud to be a woman and even, you know, because of what your body can do or, you know, I'm, I haven't had kids. I might never have kids, but you know, even still like my pride in being a woman comes from something within me you know and historically what that means and culturally what that means and societally um I think you can have all that and appreciate your womanhood and what it like what um that's what I'm looking for I don't know what it brings to your life what skills you have etc and recognize that gender is bigger than just that yeah does that make sense yeah yeah um yeah i don't i mean i don't think it makes you a turf to like you know what I, mean? I don't think it's bad to uh i don't know appreciate your femininity if you're yeah, a woman no. or appreciate your masculinity if you're a man because yeah. that you know there's toxic well, masculinity think, and healthy masculinity yeah and i think where it takes a turn is when you start disparaging other people based on their their human identity like yeah based on who they are as a person and when you start disparaging people at that level that's when it becomes a gross problem yeah um and that's the issue that we have with turfs is that yeah is is that you're invalidating the very real and lived experiences of people who are women right and just another being in general yeah. you know another human being you are telling them that their own lived experiences and feelings yeah. aren't real or aren't yeah. valid or aren't important when they are. And yeah, you can't tell other people what their experiences are. Yeah. We've gone a little off topic and that's okay because I think this is important to talk about. Um, we might have to do a part two on this. I think I'm okay with that. We've gone for a good amount of time. Um, so yeah, I I wanted to talk a little bit about marriage and marital roles and yeah. submission, etc. And to talk about um, how the idea of submissiveness can be used against women, especially in situations sure. of abuse and things sure. like that. Um, but yeah, I think that could probably be its own separate episode. So we'll tack that on somewhere else in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all I really have about this. If you have thoughts, kind of a kind of a to be continued yes. discussion. Yes, I do you... have a lot. I think I have a lot more feelings on this. And so I think yeah, we could chat I think for I a do too. Longer. Yeah, and just in general to talk about like the fact that just women um, in like pastoral roles. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Anytime I'm thinking about going to a church, if there's a female pastor, reverend, etc., I'm there. Let I'm ready you, to go. That was one of the big things that that hit me about the church that I go to. Mm -hmm. um, our dean, uh, our like head priest is a woman. And to be able to use the words 
our head priest, priest specifically, yeah, is a woman was like, it blew my mind. And she's also like an amazing woman. Yeah. And is just has this just bright, glowing heart of light that I love. Um, so like, yeah, I totally get that. Like we should yeah. talk about pastoral situations. Yeah. One last thought before we go is that I got a new Bible the other day. Yeah. And it is the um, CEB Women's Bible. Now, normally, anytime I am browsing the Christian bookstore or Christian section of a bookstore and I see anything that's like a women's devotional, a women's study, I immediately am turning around the other direction because like, I don't know. It's just usually very... It's to one kind of woman. Exactly. Um, So when I first heard about this, I was a little skeptical, but I actually, and I wish I knew it was a girl on TikTok, of course, where I get all my best (laughs) deconstruction information, Um, but she suggested it. And it's a um, Bible that has a lot of commentary. Listen to those pages. Lovely. Beautiful. Um, Has a lot of commentary. But the most important thing about it is that it has, I think, um, all 80 editors and commentators for this Bible are women. Wow. There are five or six kind of main people who are all women, like reverends, preachers, women. Um, And I really like, I've never read the preface to a Bible in my life, but I did read this one. Um And it says, uh, you're not alone when you open a Bible. God is with you and so are the voices and influences of all with whom you've journeyed through life. Each person comes to the Bible from a particular life experience, which is often formed in a faith community and shaped continuously by relationships with family and friends. This lived experience also includes a personal identity based in gender. It's almost too obvious to say that we're not all the same as individuals or families or faith communities, yet it might be liberating to admit that we are created by God who intends this marvelous human diversity and delights in our distinctions. The CEB Women's Bible affirms the multiplicity of human voices, experiences, identities, and perspectives, and that it is a God-given gift. Mm -hmm. By focusing on the stories of women, named and unnamed, and by engaging the reflections and topical articles that accompany the sacred text of this Bible, we hope that you, both men and women, will find yourself in a new way. We hope that you'll find yourself in the Bible and in the ongoing story of God's love and grace today in a way that deepens your relationship with God's self and others. So I really just liked the focusing on women named and unnamed. Yeah. And really appreciating women's uh, contribution to the Christian story and yeah. history and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, if you need a Bible recommendation, I'm really digging this one so far. <laughs> and I just want to talk about it because I think that it's really, really cool. cool. Yeah. So. I might have to check that out. Yeah. So that's all I have for today. We're going to go and uh, maybe do a little more recording. Um. But we hope that we will see you next week. Yeah. Stay tuned. And stay communed. Yeah, yeah.
This episode of Couch Communion was produced by us. We don't have a team for this. Music by Grace Mason. Cover art by the wonderful Sarah Mullins at Dr. Frank and Sarah on Instagram and Twitter. If you like what you heard, check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are found. New episodes every Friday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>